0: Coming up on Facts from the Stacks.
1: Stranger Things is what introduced a lot of people to d d Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> Oof. Okay, okay, relax.
1: She said, I will not <laughs> goodbye. Oh. oh, my gosh. I think she did.
0: <laughs> she done broke. <laughs> Welcome to Facts from the Stacks, a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers. Facts from the Stacks, created by the staff at the Jackson-Madison County Library, is your library news and book-based trivia podcast. Join your hosts, Kelly and Shane, for what we're reading, what's happening in the library, and tons of trivia. We will have games and quizzes you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump other library staff.
1: Welcome back, all you game geeks and dungeon delvers. Hello, hello. So today's episode of the pod, I really feel spoiled because last last pod, we talked about language and Mm -hmm. I love sign language. Yes. And this pod, we're talking about the Dewey Decimal Number 794, Mm -hmm. which is Indoor Games of Skill, which involves video games and Dungeons and Dragons, which is... You. You. Hello, it's me. Hello, it's me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just feel like these last two pods have been ooh, my interests real, real good. That's the best. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited <laughs> about that. Um. So yeah, we're gonna talk about video games, board games, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, um, really nerdy stuff today. Nice. I mean, we're always nerdy, but
0: yeah, library. But
1: all that being said, we will start with the usual. Recently borrowed. Woohoo. I have still just been reading Cersei among frantically planning for the big read. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, y'all, it's such a good book. Yeah. Like, it's so beautifully written. I know I've said that a million times at this point, but like... You really like wow the gods represented in the beginning of the book, especially they are such jerks.
0: Yeah, they suck
1: They are really bad to her. Yeah, and it really makes her like you really have a lot of sympathy for her Yes, because you're like wow these people are real bad.
0: Yeah, they just treat her like poo poo.
1: Yeah, so it's 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 I'm excited to see her um, do something good growth, <laughs> growth. We love to see the growth. Yeah. Have you read anything?
0: I have also started Cersei, the audiobook. Beautiful. I think I'm on chapter eight or nine, Mm -hmm. so still just getting set up. Yeah. And it's really good. I like it. And I really like the narrator. She just has an exquisite British accent, and it just really sets the vibes nicely. Yeah, we love that. I'm trying to think of what. What did I finish before that? Oh, yeah. I listened to the audiobook of Happy Place by Emily Henry because I read that book earlier this Mm. year and obviously I needed to listen to the audiobook. You just wanted
1: the audio too. Because
0: I loved it. But yeah, all my other ones prior to that were kind of like duds, like three stars. Less impressive.
1: Yeah. yeah, Just average.
0: Yeah, my summer reading list overall turned out to be a bit of a dud.
1: Oh no. Yeah.
0: That's Like majority wise, like there were some five stars in there, but overall. Just pretty average. Quite a few that were like, eh. Wasn't terrible, but didn't didn't excite me. Wow. Yeah, that's a bummer. So hopefully, my fault ones better.
1: I think that's probably why I go through such long stints of not reading because mm-hmm. I'll read something and I'll put all the time into reading a book. And I'll be like, that was a waste of my time. Yeah. And then like I get a little jaded for a while, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, but this book's really good. And then I'll like down that book in a day, yeah. like,
0: you know. You go through your cycles.
1: Yeah, I, I really go through my cycles. Totes. But yeah. So during our last episode, we had someone uh, send Kelly a message. Who was it that sent you this message? My Aunt Lynn. Aunt Lynn. Shout out. Um, Talking about, um, well, you know what? Let's just insert her little voice clip here so you can hear our first like fan feedback, I guess.
2: Hello. Um, I just got done listening to the latest podcast and, um, really liked it. Very enjoyable. Um, just the two of you without a guest, it was good. Great flow. Good convo. Um, but while I'm listening to it, it's it's weird. It's kind of like you're you know chatting with friends and you want to interject, but I can't because I'm <laughs> I'm just a mere listener. And I wanted to just say when he was talking about the univer the deaf university in Washington D.C., I just popped a memory popped in my head of being a kid back there when he, my when Dad was stationed at Fort Meade and um in Maryland, and I don't know why, but one weekend we went to a football, a college football game. And one of the teams playing was that university, that deaf university. And I just remember, um, they had this big, like bass drum that they had on the sidelines that they would beat really hard, Um, and the play, the deaf players would feel the vibration on the ground. So like if it was second down, you know, they would hit it twice. Or if they were trying to send them, I don't know, signals or something, that's how they would convey information was they were, um, had this big bass drum rolling up and down the sidelines for the deaf players to, to feel on the ground. I, I, that memory just popped in my head when he was talking about that university, but yeah, I just wanted to, to touch base and tell you brava, brava. Bravo for the wonderful podcast today on, and speaking of languages, I am now going to say arrivederci because I have to do my Italian homework for my Italian class. Manana, domani, tomorrow. Ci vediamo, arrivederci, ciao.
0: She really gave us a whole just overview of the episode. Beautiful. And her contributions as well. So yeah, if you
1: think of something that's relevant to you know the podcast and what we've talked about let us know um we would love to have more audio clips from you guys to put in the episodes and like share your stories because a lot of people have been talking about the ketchup bottle story yeah, from ASL. that like, video blew up I'm shocked.
0: Yeah. You I, never
1: know of, what's going to do well. Yeah, of all things. Um, but a lot of people have given some great feedback on that. Um, yeah, send us your feedback. We want to hear it. Yeah. Um, now, all that being said, um, let's get into the, the like meat of the episode. Woo-hoo. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know? So... I could talk about either of my topics literally all day long
0: Uh
1: um, but I chose some very narrow areas so that I would not do that Um, so first starting with video games yes I just wanted to first off in our collection we have so much stuff about especially in the children's area about video games Mm -hmm. and like things like that but one of the things that I found in the adult um, nonfiction was esports, mm. and like I feel like esports are. I don't really, even though I love video games, I also don't watch esports a whole lot. Like it's not really my vibe.
0: Is that only games about sports, or no. is it just anyone playing? A, like when you watch anyone streaming their game?
1: Yeah, so it's esports tends to be games that have a competitive base okay, to them okay. so like not just sports games actually I so I have a list of the top 10 esports oh, games I'm jumping in by viewer none of them are sports games oh
0: okay <laughs> so
1: um, so working starting at number 10 and working our way up to number 1 um, number 10 is Street Fighter are Street you familiar Fight. with Street Fighter no it's a fighting game um, that's been around for years and years and years um It is like a 2D, you have like your two little characters on opposite sides of the screen. It's like Mortal Kombat. Mm. Like, it's just a fighting game. Okay. Um, Next, you have Rocket League. Are you familiar with Rocket League? I've heard of it. So Rocket League is like a game of soccer, but instead of, so it's kind of a sports game. Oh, that's soccer. But instead of people, you're driving cars. Oh. And so, like, you have a giant soccer ball, and you're trying to get the soccer ball into the goals via a car. Via a car. And so it's like Disney
0: Pixar's cars play soccer.
1: Yes. But, like, you can also, like, drive up the walls of the arena. And, like, it's real crazy.
0: That is crazy.
1: Um, Number eight is Dota 2. I'm not super familiar with it, but it's a, a. type of game called a MOBA, which is a, like, you have this top-down view of this field, and your mm. whole objective is to, like, walk, um, is to basically capture these certain points from the enemy team. Mm. Um, it's a very team-based game. All of these tend to be, except for Street Fighter so far, a lot of these are team, very team-based. Okay. Um, next is Apex Legends, which is a pretty somewhat recent popular game it's a shooter game Mm -hmm. Um, i think that's teams of three like 3v3 um you have players unknown battlegrounds mobile which is kind of like fortnite it was the the kind of game that made fortnite popular oh um it's a battle royale you have 100 people in an arena and the last one standing wins wow yeah um, there's one called Arena of Valor. I'm not familiar with that one. Valorant, I'm also not super familiar with. You have Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which I believe is like a, almost like a Call of Duty-esque yeah. game. Just kind of military shooter. Yeah. Um, you have League of Legends, which is another MOBA, the top down ones. And then the number one by viewer in 2023 is Mobile Legends Bang Bang. I have never heard oh, of this. Bang, bang. Never oh. heard of that one before. Um, but I just thought it was interesting to mention esports because people don't really think that there's a lot of fan base around them, but there's such a huge viewership for these, mm-hmm. and they have such big prize like prize pools. Mm. Um, Dota Two. Out of this list of the top 10, had the biggest prize pool. All of these, for their tournaments and stuff, have prize pools in the multiple millions of dollars. Wow. Um, Dota 2 had a prize pool of $24 million Goodness gracious. that they give out to their winners. Wow. So, like these are very competitive. You have teams that are based in different cities, and you absolutely it's the same as a sports team where yeah. like you didn't do so hot, so we're going to ask someone else to come on the team and take oh. your place. It's very like you don't realize how much like an like normal regular. Real life sports. Yeah. They are. Huh. Um, yeah. So you have your favorite, some people have their favorite teams they, you know, cheer on mm-hmm. in their different video games. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. that's that. Um, and then I wanted to talk about Minecraft because mm-hmm. we have lots of Minecraft books. We
0: sure do. We have a whole section of Minecraft books and kids.
1: Yeah. And there's a reason for that. And that reason is because Minecraft is the top selling video game of all time.
0: Huh. I so, would not have
1: guessed. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what I would have guessed, but who knew? Um, so, as far as like singular titles, so if we're not adding all the numbers from all the Mario games oh, together, got it. right? Yeah. Um, but it's the top selling video game of all time, and it has sold over 238 million copies. Oh. Wow. So it's a lot. Um, it released in 2011. Hmm. The first version of Minecraft was built in six days. Whoa. And then over the course of two years, they finished it and then released it. So it was a pretty short development cycle. It was a really small company. And the game blew up like crazy. Wow. A third of the people that play Minecraft heard about it, not through any kind of advertising, but through word of mouth, huh. w- including myself. Um, I had a group of friends that were like, oh, my God, have you heard of this game? Mm-hmm. Um I was like no they were like let's play this game together yeah and you know it was cheap at the t- at the time like it's mm-hmm. it's still like 25 bucks it's not expensive mm-hmm. It was like 15 dollars it was a cheap little like let's grab this game
0: yeah
1: and you know I
0: it's so fun um have you played minecraft I've played minecraft dungeons on the switch and I, I enjoy it okay that's fair yeah. that's fair that's my experience yeah so we have
1: lots of <laughs> spinoffs and stuff from it too um But in 2014, so three years after its official release, Microsoft bought Minecraft Eh. from Mojang Studios for $2.5 billion. Whoa. Yeah. Um, There is a school in Stockholm, Sweden, that made Minecraft a mandatory part of their curriculum for 13-year-olds. Wow. So you have a mandatory Minecraft class. That's cool. In which you learn... because, Because people... There are some educational applications of it. That makes sense. Because there are things like resource management. They This particular school used it to, like, help people understand how cities are built. Mm. Because that's... You can build cities. You can do all these things. There's resource management. There's, um, there's some, like, chemistry applications because mm. you can brew potions and stuff. So, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can do that is... Um, that has that kind of application. Mm. Um, so the creeper, are you familiar with creepers? That's the green the ones, guys, right? Yeah. The yeah. green, the green dudes that explode. Okay. Yeah. So the creeper, um, which is one of the most iconic mobs from Minecraft, okay. um, was created on accident. Ah. Uh. the creator was trying to make a pig. <laughs> and accidentally swapped the height and the length of the pig. And so he got a really tall pig (laughs) and they were like, Oh, that's kind of creepy. So let's just call it the creeper and keep it in the game. That's funny. So, yeah, um, that's how that was born. Um, Over one fifth of the player base of Minecraft comes from the U S alone. So 20 over 20%. And then I think one of the things that makes Minecraft, so special is that it's a procedurally procedurally generated game, which means that as you walk around in the world, mm-hmm. it is random. What pops up around you is totally randomized, so your world that you play on is going to look totally different than someone else's. Every single block in Minecraft is randomly generated. Wow. Now, there are rules that follow, so, like, here's a tundra, here's a desert, here's, you know, but each and every single thing is totally different it's procedurally Mm -hmm. generated um so each world is its own thing like I said and you can start when you start in Minecraft you start as at the coordinates zero zero you are the middle of the map yeah you can walk 30 million blocks in any direction before you hit a border that you cannot cross whoa and so I decided to look at how long it takes to get to the world boundary if you start and just you start the game and you start walking toward like one direction from the center of the map to one edge of the map would take someone 140 straight days of real life time (laughs) to hit the end of a minecraft map wow that's impressive. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. And that's assuming that you have totally flat land to walk up. Like yeah. you don't have a mountain to climb. There's no, like, nothing in your way. Okay. So it's a huge world. And because it's so randomized, I think that's part of why people love it so much yeah. is because every single experience is totally different. Mm-hmm. And you can find a place that you're like oh my god this is beautiful i'm gonna make this my base like it's real it's real cute yeah me and my friends play it it's real chill have our we build our little bases together so cute it's a fun time but yeah that's like i said just the surface of video game stuff because i could really talk about them all
0: day (laughs) i'm sure you could get it girl
1: yeah that being said You have some board game stuff, which I also love board games. Yeah. Facts from the Stacks will be right back. If you enjoy classic tales with new twists, retellings of old mythology, and learning about new cultures, join us for The Big Read. The Big Read, funded in part by the National Endowment for the Arts, is a two-month-long celebration of the book Circe by Madeline Miller. Circe is a retelling of the life of the Greek sorceress by the same name, giving her new life and showing her perspective. Cersei, forced into exile to an island by herself, hones her various crafts, explores her need for human connection, and defines herself in a world of gods and men. Attend library events between September 15th and November 11th to get your free copy of Circe and read alongside the rest of Madison County. We will be involved in events all over Jackson, including the Jackson Symphony's Greek Fantasia Concert. Check out our website, jmclibrary.org, for a full list of events.
0: All right, so my first little chunky of research was about the, I guess you would call it like the German board game Culture craze that helped the resurgence of board games that we're seeing today. So it was German in nature. Yeah. So if you don't know what I'm talking about these days, I feel as though board games have made a bit of a comeback. Oh yeah. And not like your monopoly and your sorry, but they're different types of board games that originated within German culture. So the original would be Settlers of Catan.
1: Which most people who like board games have at least played Catan a time or two.
0: Right. Yeah. Yes. Which I didn't realize that Settlers of Catan was first published in 1995.
1: Yeah, it's It's as old, old as me. Yeah.
0: Because I feel like, at least from my perspective, when Settlers of Catan really blew up, like, I first started playing it when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So, which I maybe was just behind the eight ball. But at the time, it seemed like it was pretty popular everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess a lot of games like Catan and, like, I think Ticket to Ride is also by a German creator. Oh. So, these games that became really popular, they all, a lot of them originated from Germany. And then that style got really popular. And, you know, all the games that we have today that are... Um, know they're all kind of different but they're similar in a few ways that vary from like the first wave of board games like Monopoly so yeah they are different yeah so this article I read from the Atlantic talked about how these people figured out that like People enjoyed game night, but nobody likes to be kicked out of the game so early and then just have to sit and watch like Monopoly. You run out of money and you're just done playing. You know, that's not that fun. So these a lot of these games in this trend are less cutthroat than American games. So like Settlers of Catan, like you don't score up until the very end of the game. Everybody plays to the finish line and then you find out who won.
1: That's true. Yeah. You know?
0: And similar with ticket to ride and like some of these other ones so everyone gets to play the whole game there no one gets you know no one's out. Yeah. And so it's just more enjoyable. And then also talked about pandemic. Ooh, which yeah. is like a cooperative. That's the word. I was like, what's the, so nobody wins in that game. You have to work together to achieve your goal. You win
1: or you lose together. Right. So it's
0: very opposite of the let's make a board game about capitalism. America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From Monopoly to here. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: Catan kind of in my head, Catan kind of works the same. And a lot of games, like you said, when you score at the end, usually a lot of those games have like a this person did the most this. Mm -hmm. Like in Catan, it's like, you have the most soldiers. Yeah. Or you had the most, I don't know, you you had the most trades, whatever the case right. may be. which
0: I guess I misspoke. Like, Catan, yes, you know, someone the game ends because someone won, but Ticket to, to Ride, it's like you kind of have to total everything up before you know who actually won. Right. But they're similar, yeah, in that everyone gets to finish, yes. essentially. Yes,
1: but it makes me think of Mario Party because, Ooh. like, even though you could be losing the whole time in Mario Party, you're, like, two stars behind everybody else. Yeah. Then at the end, they're like, and now it's time to give out the bonus stars.
0: Yes, exactly. Like, in Catan, you know, you could decide, I'm just gonna go for longest road and you could win the whole game like that and have like no settlements or oh, no cities absolutely. you know absolutely Definitely. it's all about the strategy
2: yep
0: um but yeah it was a really interesting article because it just talked about you know why has this resurgence happened and, and then it had those interesting points about how it's different than original american games and why people like that more um hmm. Yeah, so Sailor's Catan has been published in 30 different languages and has sold 15 million copies. And this, I think, was an article from 2016, too. So wow. So more, more than sense that. then. Yeah. yeah. And then it also addressed another trend in this sort of arena is the whole concept of Kickstarter games. So a lot of these board <laughs> games that have become really popular started on Kickstarter. So if you don't know what that is, it's a website where people put out projects that they're working on and you can fund them like little mini investors. And then once the project gets off the ground then you it's like a pre-order yeah
1: it's kind of like that um so basically like if you have a small time game company who's like we want to make this game whether it's a video game or a board game Mm -hmm. or whatever it's like we want to do this but we don't have the resources available to do it yeah and so you kind of put your money in their pocket and say i believe in this project You do that, and then when you make it, I will get my copy of it from what I have given to you. Yes. I've done that one time. Have you? The game that we play on our lunches every Thursday. Oh, yeah? um, That was a Kickstarter game. It's Dead by Daylight. Okay. um, Which is my favorite video game of, I play that video game so much. It's so, so much. But I I kickstarted that. And got all the fancy Kickstarter bonus stuff. Oh. Cause usually there's like an incentive
0: that makes sense.
1: That, you know, makes it more appealing, like Kickstarter exclusives. Gotcha. Yeah. That's yeah. very cool.
0: Uh-huh. Um OK, yeah. So it's said that games is the largest category of projects on Kickstarter and board games specifically make up three fourths of that. So it's Whoa. you know that's where this popularity is coming from. It's like a big section of that. Um, but something you, made, you said made me think of wasn't Tokaido a Kickstarter game, too?
1: I don't know if Tokaido was. I wonder if some of the expansions might have. been. Oh, maybe.
0: Well, it just made me think about that game which we've both played, because that game is, like, peaceful. It's so chill. It's just lovely. The artwork is beautiful. Again, you're not really competing. You're just kind of living your life, collecting snacks and objects. Yeah, I'm gonna buy
1: food, or I'm gonna buy these little trinkets, or I'm gonna go visit all the hot springs.
0: Yes, and that reminded me of, like, the whole cozy gaming niche on um, the Switch, you know, like, there's all these subset of games that are just, like, delightful to play. They're not stressful. Like, people use them, like, as self care or like to relax. So again, kind of going along with the whole idea of, you know, where it started with Catan of people actually enjoy games where they're just having a good time and it's not so stressful, you know, like there's the joke about how monopoly will ruin relationships, (laughs) but it's true. It's true. (laughs) And so somebody was like, Hey, what if we just didn't do that? And now look at all that has come from that.
1: (laughs) So many cozy games. Um, one in that kind of genre that I think you would probably enjoy have you heard of a little to the left No It's an organizational game
0: Oh frick that sounds so fun
1: <laughs> Yeah it's it's really cute you get like it'll throw you a drawer And all the stuff is thrown all over inside the drawer, but each thing has a space where it's supposed to go. And you just pick it up and you move it into the place.
0: Is it on the switch? It's on the switch. Oh, I need it.
1: Yeah. But some of the puzzle, it's a puzzle game in that way. Okay, yeah. But some of the puzzles have multiple solutions. So sometimes it'll give Ah. you, here's seven pencils. They're all a different color of the rainbow. They all have different sharpnesses. Ooh. And they're all different lengths. So you could be like, Solution one is organized by color. Oh. Solution two is organized shortest to longest. And the third is dullest to sharpest.
0: I'm going to buy that game when it's I get like home. $15. Yeah, not it's, me. about to go good. do that now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's such
1: a cute game. Yeah. It's so cute. That's great. I love yeah. that.
0: Facts from the Stacks. We'll be right back.
1: An evening of board games can be so fun, but what happens when you've played your old games to death? You come to the library, of course. We have tons of board games you can choose from to check out, take home, and refresh your game nights. Azul, Betrayal at the House on the Hill, Settlers of Catan, Villainous, and many more are available to you at the library. Come check one out today.
0: Oh, and okay. Another big reason for this resurgence/slash shift is that the target audience for games has changed from children to adults.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So back in the day, you know, like Hungry, Hungry Hippo, Sorry the bop it, you know, like all these different game handheld games yeah. were sold to children specifically, but now like, look at how much the industry has grown by making these specific game for adults with the goals of relaxing, building community, mm-hmm. you know, having the cozy gaming. So I just thought that was interesting that all these things sort of work together to create this big board game phenomenon and then of course when COVID hit the sales went so sales were already increasing drastically um this article talked about from 2016 to 20 or 2013 to 2016 or something it was like a significant like hundreds of millions of dollar jump in sales and that was till 2016 and so of course when COVID hit the sales of board games and puzzles like skyrocketed because people enjoyed doing that from home and virtually too, right? You can play video games online together, but like with your people. Yep. So that was another hit. And a more recent article, I was trying to see like, you know, how things are going today. And it seems like the sales have kind of petered out a little bit Mm post-COVID, but that kind of makes sense. Like people are not stuck at home as much as they were, so they maybe haven't touched their COVID board games in a while, et cetera. Um, And then it also talked about Gen Con, which is the board game convention. Which is in Indianapolis. I love
1: I love the concept of Gen Con. Yeah. I would love to go one day. It sounds
0: so fun. It's so ironic because my husband and I went to a wedding this weekend in Indianapolis. And at the speeches, the groom has gone to Gen Con like nine times. Like, Oh my gosh. He's a big Gen Con My guy. bestie,
1: one of my besties from high school goes to Gen Con pretty much every year. Yeah,
0: that sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, it was founded in 1967 by one of the D&D co-creators.
1: Gen Con was? Yeah. Whoa. Isn't was it Gary Gygax?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Sure it. Was. <laughs> I knew it. So, yeah, that was my little uh, mini dive into the board game resurgence Whoa. of today. I love that. Yeah, isn't that interesting?
1: I just, I love a good co-op game. Yes. We've, uh, um, my partner and I have found a few games that, we found our niche of games. Oh, I love that. And that's like... Um, there's one we found that's called Level 7, Mm. and it's like this game where you're like, there are aliens that are busting out of this lab and you have to escape, but it's you have this stack of tiles, so as you're exploring rooms of the map, you pull a a tile out, and you put it down, and it's going to be different every time because the tiles are randomized. Ah. So you build this map that's different every time, and you have to escape and, like, keep the aliens, like, away from you and just you had to open the. you have to do these certain objectives to get out yeah. i love a good co-op game that's fun oh,
0: i know so it's like fun. while we're here let's just dish out some of our recommendations yeah. right yeah so that sounds you said it was called level, level seven. seven
1: um there's a few of them but i think the one that we play the most is level seven escape mm. yeah
0: my husband has gotten all of us hooked on king of tokyo
1: that's a good one
0: he's obsessed and now like that's the game that we most often play with our friends at game night that game is really fun even if you're not my husband and obsessed with Kaiju it's still a fun game yeah yeah <laughs> and then we also play code names a lot have you played that
1: I've played code names maybe
0: once it's fun because it's like a word it's a team against team kind of game and um, there's all these words laid out uh-huh. and you're you are representative of your team is trying to get you to guess your team's words and you try to like use a clue that links more than one of your words together so that you can knock them out quicker so it's really interesting because you're like what word could represent this and this but Um, then if they guess that one that's the other teams. That's not good. You know, it's really interesting. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that game's fun. And then yeah. Tokaido, like we said, that's a great one. It's so chill. I'm trying to think, I do love a good Phase Ten, but that's kind of old school. It is a little more old. And that school. one's long. Like you, got, like Monopoly, you gotta have some time for that. One. Yeah, we play a
1: lot of um, Bananagrams. Oh, I love so Bananagrams. Yes. It's, it, if if anyone has not heard of Bananagrams, it is just please go buy it. It's such it's a so cheap fun. game, but it is literally a bag full of scrabble tiles and you just dump them on the table and everybody makes their own scrabble board and basically it's like a race to like who can use up all their tiles first yeah it's so hectic and, like...
0: I love that game because my brain feels so good when I play it. Like, I just... Yeah. It feels like I just ran a mile, but the, like, intellectual equivalent of that. Yeah. Like, well, you because, feel good, like, because you're working your mind.
1: Because you're trying <laughs> to beat everybody else. And, like, so when you finish using all of your tiles that you get, you have to yell, peel, and everybody takes a tile out of the middle. And so, like, you want to use all your tiles and be the first one... To finish, because then you have to yell banana. Yeah. And then pray that no one questions your word. word choice. Key, QI, that they don't (laughs) think is a word, but you're like, no, it's a word for real.
0: That's a word in Stardew Valley, my favorite video game. Well, there you go.
1: (laughs) And I heavily encourage questions while I'm talking about D&D. Oh, 100%. Because I would love for people to understand more about it, because I feel like it is a... Critically under misunderstood game.
0: Yeah here. Okay. Here's where I'm coming from. Yeah My first introduction stranger things
1: everybody. Yeah, stranger things is what introduced a lot of people to D&D. Yeah, so
0: (laughs) Okay, okay, relax
1: She said I will not (laughs) goodbye
0: Oh, oh my
1: god i think she did
0: <laughs> she done broke
1: wow that okay. thing was okay anyway so
0: yeah stranger uh, things and then my husband played it you know back in the day so i would ask okay, questions so, of him oh and then also so then we started watching big bang theory so that gave me more context yes and then learning from like you guys at work uh-huh. slash Casey upstairs like creating pieces for D and D in yep. the makerspace. That's helped me learn more. And then finally, right now we're watching the Tuttle twins, and they had a D and D episode. Okay, so here we are.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> there's lots of different ways to play D and D. There's lots of different ways that groups focus on like how they play their game. But uh-huh. give you the quick overview. So. Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. D&D, is a fantasy role-playing game. And usually it's like, you usually want four people at least. Um, usually it's like a good four to seven people. Okay. Um, one person takes on the role of dungeon master. Mm-hmm. So that is the person who you are going to create all of the, like, conflict, basically. Mm. So you're the one that sits down and you go, okay, here's the story. Mm-hmm. Here's the monsters they're going to run into. Um, here's the – basically, you're shaping the world. Okay, um, But also, you are playing referee to make sure that everyone is – Following the rules properly, mm, so you're kind of like the referee and the storyteller, um, but you're mostly facilitating. The thing that that I like to say more often is that the dungeon master facilitates a cooperative storytelling experience.
0: Ooh, that's like a resume line. Yes, Love absolutely.
1: That. You can absolutely use your 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 D and D skills. Mm-hmm in a resume yeah conflict resolution skills yes absolutely 100 percent. because you're acting that stuff out
0: that's right
1: that's- <laughs> but um <laughs> everyone else makes a character and that character can be a human or an elf or an orc or a goblin or tons and tons of other different fantasy races okay. um depending on how um open your dungeon master is you might even be able to make your own race of people mm. um but you then get to choose a class which lets you play as a wizard or a rogue or a barbarian or a you know a ranger and there's tons of classes too so these things are going to shape the character you make um when you play DD, you run a campaign a campaign might be like a one shot. So you might sit down, play for 3-4 hours and then that's it, you're done with that story. But then you can also have campaigns that run for years. Like Stranger Things. Like Stranger <laughs> Things. Yeah, they've been playing their campaign from the very beginning with Will the Wise mm-hmm. all the way to what season 5 that we're on. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um personally, We've run a lot of campaigns over the years. I think the longest one that I have run has been probably a solid four-year-long campaign. Wow. Um, so. Is it still going? No, it, it did finish. She finished. Um, it's really hard to finish campaigns campaign sometimes.
0: So like you get attached or what? what's the vibe?
1: Well, there's that. But then there's also like scheduling stuff. Basic mm. things that keep.
0: Adults from being able to do fun stuff. Oh, I get it, yeah. (laughs) Like, you don't have time to continue on. Right, right. Yeah, that's, like, that's, Aaron never plays anymore just because of adulthood. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But, like I said kind of a little bit earlier, different groups have different goals. So, you might have people who are like, I like crunching numbers. I want to make a character who is strong Mm -hmm. that will be able to go into a fight and will be able to do all of the things that they're able to do. At the maximum, like I want to be able to to kill stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, those are very video game like you go in and you fight stuff. But there are other groups who might be very interested in storytelling. And that's what myself and my group tend to do is more storytelling. Okay. So we talk to each other and make connections between our characters and we create very detailed backstories for these characters hmm. and they can be characters who are very much like us, or they could be totally different. Um, and you can kind of get into that as much or as little as you want. It's very intimidating when you first start D and D because you don't want to talk in character like I remember when I first started I've been playing since I was like thir- 12 13 mm-hmm. and I remember playing my first campaign and it was a bunch of us in my friend's mom's basement as as you as do, you do as a teenager style. stranger mm-hmm. things style and I remember being like so nervous And even though these are my friends, it's still kind of, like, nerve-wracking. Oh, I see that, yeah. Yeah, so I would be like, oh, well, my character says that he would not like to do that because this. Mm -hmm. But nowadays... Playing with the group that I do and being more experienced, I don't mind speaking in my character, like, as though I am my character Uh, with full-on accent and everything.
0: Dang, that's hip.
1: Now, it's not great, mind you, necessarily. But that, you know, it's still fun. It's getting into the character making decisions that feel like a decision a real person would make
0: yeah okay so then that makes me ask is there like youtube channels like where you watch other people play D? because that sounds like something you would want to watch
1: yes there are there okay. are plenty the most popular among them is called critical role mm-hmm. um it is um a bunch of voice actors For video games and cartoons and stuff. That's cool. And they play, they've had they're on their third campaign and they have been running it for about 10 years now. Oh my. So each campaign's about three years long. Wow. Um, Each episode they do an episode a week and each one is like Three to four hours.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. So they're like really in it. That's cool.
0: And it sounds like it's like watching a movie or like a play. It,
1: it is because you're you're not only are you sitting and listening to these people do storytelling, you know, it's very. Um, but you're also like. Everything's random mm. because you have a lot of things depend on dice rolls. Okay, yes. You know, like you can't just say my character is going to walk up and stab the dragon and <laughs> it dies. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. There's elements to it that are a challenge, mm-hmm. and you know you can plan and strategize and work together to do that to overcome that. And it's just it's so fun. Mm-hmm. It is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um. So again, I love the storytelling element. There's tons of groups that do it. Um, you can absolutely go online. I highly recommend if anyone is interested in doing that. Um, Critical role is a little hard to start on because it is so long. Mm. Um, but there's also another group called Dimension Twenty. They're fantastic. They're very they're they're very fun. Um, There's groups that are serious. There's groups that are fun. There's Mm -hmm. groups that combine the two very well. Mm -hmm. Um, Critical Role is more serious. Dimension 20 is more fun. But it has its real beautiful, like, tear-jerky moments, too. wow. Yeah, I mean, it really does. It is like telling a good story. And when you get so attached to these characters, because these are characters you're spending hours and hours portraying. Yeah. You know, it's like... These are, these are my babies. (laughs) So that campaign that we did four years of, it was like a huge relief to like, they finally accomplished what we were trying to get them to accomplish. Like we did the thing and now they get their happily ever after story, Ah. you know? So you're like, Oh, the babies, they're, they're, they're they're good. They're grown. They're good. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Our final facts and quiz segment will be right back after this break. Have you wanted to get into Dungeons & Dragons but don't know where to start? We have all the things you need to get started on your first adventure, or materials to supplement ones you already have. You can check out the starter set, the player's handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, or even find new adventures using Candlekeep Mysteries or journeys through the Radiant Citadel. And if you need help, we have plenty of staff who love the game and would be happy to help newcomers. Have fun storming the castle! just to give a a little overview of play um so you need a bunch of dice Uh as as you might suspect you have um we refer to them as d and then the number of sides the dice has so like a d20 is a 20-sided dice Mm -hmm. so you have a d10 a d20 d12 d10 a d percentile which is just another d10 um, a D8, a D6, and a D4 when you use all those different dice for different stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, you have a character sheet with different stats that are determined by roles you make when you make your character. Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma are the main stats. And then you have skills that are based on those stats along with your race, class, and your background of your character. Okay. So those kind of help determine what you are able to do what you're good at basically um D&D was created in 1974 by Gary Gygax Mm -hmm. and David Arneson of Tactical Studies Rules TSR is the company and was purchased by Wizards of the Coast who's owned by Hasbro in 1997 Hmm. Um, Every 10 years or so, they do another version of D&D, which updates the rules and changes how the flow of gameplay works. Right now, we're on 5E or the 5th edition, Mm. um, which has seen a lot more popularity than other editions because it's more – it's not dumbed down necessarily. It's just – it's very easy to understand and easier to get into.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the collection of books we have at the library, is that Mm -hmm. like – if you don't, you're kind of too lazy to make up your own story. Like that's like a starting you off. So theme.
1: that's there's we do have a lot of d and books here um, and you will hear a commercial about it. Um, <laughs> we have there are rule books. So there's like the basic rule book. There's the Dungeon Master's Guide, which Mm. kind of has tips and tricks for people who are the Dungeon Master. Gotcha. And then there are books that have different um, stats for monsters. Oh. So, you know, you might have dragons or you might want to have, I don't know, like centaurs or you might want werewolves. Like all these things might um be creatures that they put a book out and it's a tome of monsters Mm. whatever um but then they do have adventure books which you can use to base a campaign off of okay um so we do have a few of those as well and i've used them um because sometimes it's hard to come up with sometimes it's hard to plan every detail of a campaign it can be really intimidating um but yeah, so you can grab one of those and be like, "Yeah, let's give it a shot." Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a starter kit that oh. has like everything you need, like pre-made characters if you don't want to make your own yet. It's got like a basic version of the rules. It's got the dice. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Wow! It's a fun time. That is fascinating. It's like my favorite hobby. Yeah,
0: <laughs> hmm. yeah. love that. Yeah,
1: so that's D and D in a nutshell.
0: Woo! <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a lot. All right, so now that I've overwhelmed you with Dungeons & Dragons knowledge, um, I do have a quiz. Woohoo! Um, this is more of a video game-esque based quiz. Okay. Um, I think a lot of these will be not necessarily common knowledge, but it's I'm not gonna be like asking you really obscure stuff. Okay. But still a little challenging, I think. Mm-hmm. So, number one. What is the highest grossing video game franchise?
0: Franchise.
1: Franchise. I'm gonna guess Mario. That's a really good guess, but it's actually Pokemon.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Pokemon has sold 480 million games worldwide, and that's from... You know all of their games yeah. over, which is crazy to think that Minecraft has done two hundred and so half as much mm-hmm. with one single game. Yeah, you know, wow. in amazing. twelve years versus Pokemon's thirty years. Wow, it's a lot. Yeah. No
0: Minecraft.
1: Yeah. Number two, what is the default skin in Minecraft known as? So he has a he has a name.
0: Is it Steve? It's Steve. Oh, go it's me. It's
1: Steve. Yeah, he's just, he's got his little, what, green shirt and his blue jeans. Yeah, it's I
0: like, did work Minecraft camp when I was a camp counselor. Ah, so, so I you a knew Steve. that.
1: Yeah. All right, number three. What is the first video game to be adapted into a movie? This is a fun one. Hmm. Because it was bad. The movie was bad. The movie was bad.
0: Oh. Hmm. I don't know.
1: It was Super Mario Brothers.
0: When was that movie?
1: 19 like 87. And it
0: wasn't a cartoon.
1: Oh it, no. Oh it that was, sounds terrible. It was bad. <laughs> I'll show you the trailer later. It was bad. Yeah, that sounds horrible. It was real rough. The new um, Mario movie was lovely. Oh, the new Mario movie was, yeah, actually really amusing. So good. I liked it. Yeah. And I can always just Jack Black singing Peaches yeah. in my head mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, number four. What is the first video game to feature a playable female character?
0: Playable. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think it's Princess Peach. It's not. Because you couldn't play her for a while, You right? couldn't play
1: her until Super Mario... Is it
0: Tomb Raider?
1: No. That's a good guess. But it was actually...
0: Carmen Sandiego.
1: No. (laughs) Okay, that's all I got. (laughs) No, it was Metroid.
0: Oh, I don't know what that is. Okay,
1: so Metroid was a, like, original Nintendo game Mm. um, where you played as this character named Samus that um, would fight aliens, basically. Mm. Um, And, like... You didn't know that it was a woman until the very end of the game, where she like takes her helmet off Ooh. and you see her long blonde hair, wow. and it's like it was shocking for people.
0: It was a sleigh in
1: the <laughs> yeah, it was in '86. Wow. So like people were shocked; they were real shook about it.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Saucy. Yeah. Let me let me show you. Let me just do a quick little show of a picture of Samus so you yeah, understand. See her? She's probably real cute. Yeah, 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 here you go. That's her first. Oh yeah, that, you wouldn't guess Uh huh. And then, you know, the very end of the game, you get actual Samus. Wow,
0: who... look at her cool space high heel boots.
1: Yeah. Get it, sister. Yeah, so that's, that's Samus, first playable female character. You go, girl. And then lastly, I feel like this one, you might, I feel like you might know this one. If Mario is the mascot of Nintendo, mm-hmm. who is the mascot of Sega?
0: Oh, that's a game um, creator?
1: Um, Sega was, yeah. So it's kind of been absorbed now. They don't make consoles anymore, but the Sega Dreamcast and the Sega Genesis were consoles once upon a time. That were absorbed kind of into just developing games, but they do have a specific mascot who is very... Notable, much like Mario.
0: My two guesses are: uh huh, Pac-Man and Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: It is Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Yes, go me. Yeah, it's
1: Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> um, Pac-Man's a good guess. Uh, Pac-Man is Namco is their mm. is their game company. But, Interesting. Yeah, so that's that's the quiz. Just a quick little Quickie. video game quiz.
2: Wonderful.
0: Yeah, that's a fun app.
1: I, I could talk about them all day. Yeah as evidenced by the 50-minute long recording I'm looking at right now. But, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks. If you have, like, if you're one of the d d nerds like me, tell me about your campaigns. Yeah. Send us some voice clips. Tell me about your characters. Yeah. I want to know. <laughs>
0: Should we do our roulette draw?
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. We will see you again in two weeks. Two weeks. On September 27th, and we will be talking about Dewey Decimal Number 737. Coins? Coins, (laughs) sigillography, and what was it?
0: Numismatics?
1: Numismatics. I am unfamiliar.
0: Same. Wow. Here we go.
1: Well, we're going to learn, and you guys are going to learn with us. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time.
2: Bye. Bye.